Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Mood with Lauren Elizabeth. I'm Lauren Elizabeth. And for this week's current mood combo, I am joined by Julie Solomon. She is a business coach, speaker, and host of the top-rated The Influencer Podcast and author of the upcoming book, Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable. Julie and I had such an amazing conversation. She is just so incredibly wise. And we're going to talk about stuff that's really kind of applicable to anyone, even though you're like, wait, the Influencer Podcast, I'm not an influencer. Don't worry. We talk about identifying your origin story tools to freedom, how to really advocate for yourself, especially as a woman, and just like really seeing all the possibilities in your life, aka getting what you want and how to do it. I absolutely loved this conversation with Julie, and I know you guys are going to too. But first, let's jump into best mood and worst mood of the week. Speaking of best mood and worst mood of the week, you can get your best mood, worst mood merch. That's right. You guys know upside down, smiley face, gang, gang. Check it out. ShopLaurenElizabeth.com. Things are flying off the shelves. I actually don't even know what's left, but get it while it's hot. So for my best mood this week, I'm actually, you know what? Scratch that, you guys. I'm going to start with my worst mood this week because it kind of relates back to best. So for my worst mood this week, I've done a really, really good job of this over my adult kind of lifespan much better than when I was younger, but I'm going to explain to you what it is because it's called magical thinking OCD. I actually got a DM the other week that was like, don't say you have OCD on your podcast. Like for people that really have OCD, I have OCD. Um, there's many types of OCD and this includes obsessions and compulsions. Obsessions are unwanted and intrusive thoughts, feelings, urges, and doubts, while compulsions are repetitive physical or mental actions performed in an attempt to relieve distress and anxiety. So I have certain forms of OCD, obviously that kind of coincide because I have anxiety. So I have a type of OCD. One of the types I have is called magical thinking obsessive compulsive disorder. So it's a subtype and it is categorized by ongoing intrusive thoughts and compulsive behaviors around superstition or magical thinking to prevent negative experiences or harm to oneself or others. So people with magical thinking OCD experience frequent intrusive thoughts that they will be responsible for something awful happening if they do not perform specific actions. One of my examples I used when I was growing up and like a little bit older and able to kind of like realize what was happening because this happened almost my entire life. I have memories of like a young kid on a diving board and being afraid to jump off. But then I would tell myself if I didn't jump off, X, Y, and Z was going to happen, so on and so forth. That's kind of an earlier memory. And then like in middle school and high school, I had this one really bad one because something I would do to kind of relieve my stress when I was younger. I mean, think about it. This is how I started a YouTube channel was going shopping. And if I dropped something on a hanger, 
or off a hanger. You know, I was young. I didn't care. I'd be like, oh, something fell on the ground, whatever. And the intrusive thoughts would start coming in. Those intrusive thoughts would be responsible for something awful happening. Like something was going to happen to me, something that I wanted that was good, wasn't going to happen because I didn't pick up the piece of clothing. So I would be like, you know, on the complete other side of this ginormous mall and I would leave whoever I was with or I would be by myself and I would turn, go back, find the shirt, pick it up, put it back on the hanger. Um, cause like I couldn't let it go. Right. And I mean, to some people that might sound like uh, silly or whatever, I kind of always categorized it as something silly and just superstitious. But the fact that, you know, the thoughts are so intrusive and the beliefs have such a hold over you so much so that you kind of like actually disrupt your life and you do something that like you really don't care to do that is clearly not logically going to affect real life. Um, that's kind of like a broad, just general explanation of what magical thinking OCD is. So my worst mood now that you have kind of like a little bit of an origin story was this kind of came back recently. And it's interesting for me because I find that when things are actually going okay, um, it's a way that my like anxiety and kind of just like mental state creeps back in and tries to like take control. Um, at least that's what I kind of see it as sometimes because I notice like, for instance, like things have been going really good lately. And, you know, yesterday I was getting my nails done and I kind of wanted to get red nails. And then it came through to me, came through to me is a weird way to say it. That sounds like it's like I'm a psychic or something. And then the intrusive thoughts came in. And basically my thought process was if I get red nails, everything's been going great since I've had clear nails. And so if I get red nails, everything's going to go wrong. This is going to go wrong. This is going to go wrong. This is going to go wrong. And then logical comes in and is like, that's silly. It's your nails. Prove yourself wrong. Get red nails and watch things still be okay. You realize that you're actually anxious and it's like, no, I, I don't want to risk it. Like, I don't always know how to describe it on Instagram because it's like, well, I don't want to say like, oh my gosh, it was so stressful getting my nails done today because that sounds like, you know, someone that really privileged and out of touch and whatever, um, which it would be if it wasn't like this kind of actual type of OCD um, because it also kind of coincides with the other part of my OCD, which is like a subtype, which relates to skin picking and stuff like that. So when a person compulsively picks or scratches at their skin, causing injuries, um, this is a disorder or a skin picking disorder that falls under the category of OCD as well. So you guys have seen me kind of talk about this on Instagram. I definitely talk about it on the podcast all the time. Um, I pick at my skin obsessively to the point where like I cause like wounds and bleeding and stuff on my skin um, because I can't stop. So that's one of the reasons I get my nails done is so that I don't have like skin to pick at. And so that like, I can logically look at my nails and think, oh my gosh, they look so pretty. Like, do I really want to ruin them? They cost money kind of helps me a lot for like a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I know this is like maybe triggering because even me uh, talking about it is like making me want to like pick at my one finger that like is this thing I have an obsession with. Anyway, long story short, a different girl did my nails and I was like so upset. Like if they don't look perfect, then I have to go home and pick at them. And I was afraid to change colors. And, you know, I thought it was just like, I, I have this really, really big obsession with my hands. And then even literally 30 minutes ago, before I was recording this podcast, I took a picture of my nails. Cause I was like, Ooh, I like, you know, I didn't change the color completely, but I did 
do a different neutral. And I took a picture for you guys on Instagram and I put on two rings. I took one of them off and I left the other one on my finger. And I was like, oh, this looks really cute. Like, I don't think I'm going to do pushups and stuff today. So maybe I'll just like leave my jewelry on. I'm getting my hair done. Maybe I have like a tan. I'll feel like kind of pretty. And I looked down and I was like, oh, I used to wear this ring on this finger when I was in my last relationship and that one failed. So if I wear it, um, my next relationship is going to fail. So like, I need to take it off. Obviously logical comes in and is like, that's insane. And then I'm like, you know what? Don't want to risk it. Blah, blah, blah. So on and so forth. So that was a really lengthy way to describe my worst mood this week, which was, I hate when these things happen because it's so intrusive and it just disrupts your life. And it's really annoying. Obviously there's like way worse forms of OCD. You guys know my favorite saying is just because you're drowning in a hundred feet of water doesn't mean that I'm not drowning in 20 feet. We're both drowning. So yeah, it's just like really intrusive. It's really frustrating. And, you know, I have enough tools under my belt to where I don't let it snowball as much as I once did, but it definitely is still intrusive enough to like interfere with like things that I want to either wear or try or do, or just like let go of and not care, um, because I have to act on them and therefore like disrupt whatever I'm doing, change and make sure that X, Y, and Z doesn't happen even though that logically is not how life works. Huh, that was a mouthful, but I hope you got some sense out of it and maybe you relate, maybe you don't, maybe you learned something, maybe you're gonna come for me in my DMs because people love to do that apparently, but that's neither here nor there because this is my podcast and you're listening to it. You don't have to if you don't want to, but if you are, leave a nice review, woo. Yeah. That was an original. She's multi-talented. My best mood this week was at least letting go of the outcomes. One of the ways I did this was not just because you guys know sometimes I'm able to have enough experience and tools under my belt that I'm able to just shut it down. It's like the shutdown tool of like, I know this is this, so I'm just going to brush it off. And then if it comes back up and up and up, we deal with it. But enough times, it's silly enough to where I just brush off, right? But when new things are happening and there's change and transition, it's a lot easier for even what ifs or like I said, the magical thinking OCD to kind of creep in. And something that I've been telling myself when I do say shut it down, that's really helped me let go and have that as my best mood this week is reminding myself that when I'm saying this is the worst thing that could happen and this is the best thing that could happen. And instead of freaking out and not wanting the worst thing to happen, I did this on my couch the other day. I was so scared that so-and-so wasn't going to text me back and then everything was going to go wrong and I was going to have to be sad and it was just the worst thing. And I reminded myself that there is no way to actually know what the best outcome is and what the worst outcome is before it happens. Because whatever you think is the worst thing that could happen to you, right now could easily turn into the best thing that ever happened to you and you're just afraid of it right now for instance the worst thing that was ever going to happen to me a few years ago was my ex breaking up with me it is the best thing that ever happened to me i would have never been able to convince myself of that a few years ago when i was in the situation but in hindsight i know that everything ended up to be more than okay and i've never been happier not being stuck where i was a few years ago that's just a simple example that i feel like maybe people can relate to and i feel like you don't know what the best outcome and the worst outcome is so 
my best mood this week was letting go of outcomes. And obviously like my worst mood is, you know, something that is kind of trying to micro control those outcomes. And so I just think it's a really good reminder when you're kind of going through like pro like the positives and the negatives, and you're really starting to freak out. Of course, like we have intuition and we know like right and wrong in a sense of like morals and values and all of this stuff. And we try to always take the next best right step. However, we can never know. And I know the unknown is scary. So when you start thinking about all the scary things that could go wrong and all of the worst case scenarios, you don't know that that's actually the worst case scenario because that really shitty thing might be the best thing that ever happened to you, or it just might be okay. Like the worst thing that ever happened to you might happen and you just get through it and it's okay. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be this like story of success of like hitting rock bottom and then everything's incredible, which I mean, it is a good reminder that most people that hit rock bottom, I'm pretty sure it's probably like freaking 99% literally change their lives and become the best version of, versions of themselves. But I'm just saying on a micro level, like you just don't know. And it also could like whatever you're afraid of might be the best thing that ever happened to you. And there's no way of knowing. And so when, once you kind of detach from what you think is the best thing and what you think is the worst thing for you and know that you don't know, and that, you know, I mean, for me, I know that, you know, God knows and only he knows what your higher power knows and only they know or whatever it is like the universe, God, whatever you believe is bigger than yourself. Like, because we are not in control, right? But it's really easy to feel like we need to control things and classify them as best and worst in the future tense. You can look back and that's why we do best mood and worst mood at the end of the week. I don't say what my best mood and my worst mood is going to be for the next seven days. I let you know previously in hindsight after reflection, because then I look at my best mood and my worst mood. I learn from them. I find moments of gratitude within them and I figure out the tools that got me through them. Is hiring challenging? Yeah. Do you love a challenge? Yeah. Do you need a hiring partner that can help you rise to the challenge? You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed actually matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to the Indeed data in the U.S. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. They have this thing called Instant Match. So candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in a search. So basically, like as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. So for me, this is really amazing because if I put out, you know, a, like a Instagram post and I'm like, I need a personal assistant, I, you know, am flooded with emails and it's so hard to sort through everything. So this is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash mood. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your 70 
$75 credit now at Indeed.com slash mood. Indeed.com slash mood. Terms and conditions apply. Pay per qualified applicant not available for all users. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For mood boosters this week, I obviously traveled to Nashville last week. So, you know, it's not as much like homie bo bomi stuff. But I did complete my like design inspo for my apartment. So you guys know that I'm like super obsessed with like my environment because it needs to be calm, cool, collected and clean or else like I cannot calm down. And I did it on a budget, which also we talk a lot lately about financial stress on the podcast. And this is so true. And I just, I hate spending money on shit I don't need. And it sucks because I'm like, okay, well, I do need like stuff to sit on in my apartment. Like I, you know, I've been sitting on like the floor for a year. So I feel like I should get a few things, but I just still didn't want to spend money. And I just also wanted it to feel like homey. Like I didn't want to feel like I was just kind of like living in chaos anymore. I've been in this transition phase for long enough. I needed to boost my mood. So with those two things combined, I like completed my design inspo and just kind of started really scouring the web for pieces. I posted kind of like a screenshot on Instagram of how I do it. I just basically go in Canva and I put all the stuff together before I order it to make sure it looks good together. Obviously, you don't really know until it shows up, but I measure everything. I put it together in Canva. So I ordered a few key pieces. I got some really good prices, found some amazing stuff on Wayfair, Amazon, only splurged a little bit, but not crazy, which I'm also very proud of on a couch from Crate and Barrel that like I know is literally going to be the biggest mood booster on the planet because I am someone that needs to rest and needs to be comfortable because I'm a lazy bitch at heart okay like I just am it's not like I'm like investing in like jogging shoes like no I'm investing in a couch let's be real so that has just kind of like taken that off my plate like knowing I'm committed I've boosted my mood I've like made all these pretty colors and fabrics and things come together, didn't spend too much money and they're just in the mail and I'm just doing it the right way instead of like freaking out and being like, oh no, nothing's in stock. I'm just going to like get something I don't like. We No, we don't do that anymore. It's not worth it. So we don't even have to wait that long, you guys. My couch is supposed to be here like before mid-June before I leave for Europe. So that will be really exciting to be able to like come home to a lot of this stuff in my apartment and just like literally come home, AKA have a home, you know? Cause I've felt very displaced for the past year going back and forth to California, not really having anything here once I am here, just living out of a suitcase constantly. So that's why it's, you know, kind of going to be a very constant mood booster on the podcast, but I feel as though you guys like home and lifestyle stuff. So let me know if you don't, because it really does boost my mood. So that's why I kind of always talk about it. But if you guys don't like it and want other kind of mood boosting categories, just let me know on Instagram. My next mood boost is a throwback to one of my worst moods a couple weeks ago. And it's spending time alone because just a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh my God, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. It might've even been last week. Let's look. No, it was two weeks ago. No, it was three weeks ago. You guys, my notes aren't as good as you'd think. They're like only make sense to me. But my mood booster this week was spending time alone, which is amazing because a couple weeks ago, I was scared too, which is also why it's fun to reflect on these things, you guys, if you don't already, because you can see how much you've grown and learned. And that is a mood booster as well. But anyway, I 
have just been like really excited about it. I think maybe it is because I am making this place more of a home that I feel more comfortable, but I've just been really liking having that time to myself and relaxing. I haven't been as like on edge and kind of getting FOMO. I definitely still have a little bit. Like it's almost that meme you see where it's like, I want you to invite me, but I don't want to come. It's kind of that anxiety of like being you know, abandoned and like not having people. Whereas like in reality, like spending time by yourself doesn't mean that like no one loves you. You know what I mean? So I've gotten so much better at it in just a few weeks in a sense of like, I've just really enjoyed spending time alone on the couch, watching TV, reading, all that stuff. So that was a mood booster. And weirdly, not weirdly, but interestingly, I noticed that like feeling natural and not fucking caring. Like, obviously I do a lot to myself, you know, like I get my nails done. I get Botox every few months. Like I get my hair done. I love putting on self tanner. I'm not saying like, I don't do anything to feel pretty. I'm just saying like, I've been doing a lot of like hair and makeup over the past few months, constantly putting on foundation, constantly air wrapping my hair. And for the past like week and a half, I'd say I have just like not really cared, but still felt really clean and beautiful. I hate saying the word beautiful because like, ugh. I don't know. I just, I, I think it's a summer thing too. Like when you're a little bit tanner and you know, you're just kind of like hanging around, you get a little sweaty. You don't want as much makeup on whatever. I don't know. I guess I just like, even when I was going out over the weekend in Nashville, I was just kind of like, fuck it. Big baggy t-shirt, put my dirty ass hair in braids, threw on a hat, minimal makeup and was just like let's have a blast and then I got home and like usually I'd like slick my hair back in a wet bun or dry it and I just like let it go crazy Tarzan style threw it up in a messy bun and I was filming a YouTube video and I was just like I don't really fucking care and like I just am gonna like embrace this and like I still feel pretty cute and like I think it's okay so I just feel like it's always a mood booster when you're able to kind of like love yourself um and not really put in that much effort to your appearance I don't know I just feel like I guess that's kind of like the clean girl aesthetic people talk about, but this is more of like the messy girl aesthetic. Cause it's like, I look like a mess, but like, I still like look kind of cute because there's a rat's nest on top of my head. I don't think people are really tutorialing that on TikTok, but I think it's kind of cute. And I'm going to try to see how long I can not care and like embrace maybe my natural hair and skin over the summer. I think that might be a cool mood booster to see if we can do it. I mean, obviously I still love dressing up, still love putting on makeup, but like we still look probably as cuter than we think without trying as hard as we think we have to, no? Let me know. And when you are dressing up, you guys need Majuri because Majuri makes fine jewelry for every day. So even when you have your rat's nest on top of your head, you can have a little bit of gold sparkle. And then when you go out, you have the same gold sparkle. They also have new limited edition drops every Monday instead of seasonal releases like more traditional retailers, which literally is not good for my bank account. I favorited four things the other night before bed and thank god i was tired because i would have bought them but it's okay because they don't have the traditional 10 time markup they have fresh new picks at fair prices every week for every style they're handcrafted ethically sourced and made to last so they really do have something for every budget and for everyone because of their fair prices but they also have women's men's unisex pieces and i mean it just goes without saying that fine jewelry is literally for everyone they're 14 karat solid gold staples 
don't wear out or scratch easily because 14 karat is actually much more durable than 18 karat gold. So they make perfect gifts for those who don't want to think about taking their jewelry off. It's kind of like how I was saying, like you don't want to try too hard. You just want to like have fun over the summer, jump off a boat into the water. Like these are perfect gifts for anyone with an active lifestyle. They also have really pretty freshwater pearls, which I love for summer. They have responsibly sourced diamonds and milestone pieces. So if you're celebrating every day or every occasion, birthdays, new job, engagement, you name it. Need help deciding what to gift? Try virtual shopping. You can live chat with a majority stylist one-on-one. They'll answer any questions you might have. What's this person's style? What kind of lifestyle do they have? How does a piece work with this existing collection? Don't even fret. Visit Majuri.com and use code MOOD for 10% off your first order. That's Majuri.com code MOOD for 10% off your first order. Okay, guys, enough about me rambling on like I have a podcast or something. Let's welcome our guest, Julie. I think you guys are going to love her. So enjoy. Well, I'm so excited to have you on because I definitely want to pick your brain about quite a few things. I know that you kind of are very familiar with the influencer space and obviously not everyone is an influencer or wants to be an influencer, but we live in a very like social media saturated world and just a world in which like being a confident woman that advocates for herself in any kind of like money career space like that is really important. And before I kind of pick your brain about stuff regarding that, I'd love to know more about your personal story and kind of like what led you to be on the path you are today. Yeah. So my you know, I feel like you kind of have two different tracks there. Like I have a life story and then I have a professional story, but then of course they kind of go hand in hand. So, um, my life story of really what led me to where I am today was one that started in scarcity. I was raised in a really small town with very humble beginnings. My dad literally wore a blue collar to work every day. Both of my parents did not go to college. My grandparents lived in a trailer. I mean, just very small town rural, um, a small town in Tennessee. And so I always had this, this mindset, this lack mentality mindset of that it was never enough. Um, there was never enough money to go around. Um, the world wasn't abundant. It was a very just limiting scarcity based mindset. And in some ways that really kind of served me because it instilled in me this hustle to be relentless, to not want to live that way, to want to be able to do things for myself that my parents and their parents weren't afforded, to really um, kind of seize the privilege that I have of living in this world today and how do I not waste that? And so I went to college, I got a degree, I moved to New York City, um, and then a few years later moved to LA, which both of those cities kind of complemented a lot of the work that I did now. But what ended up happening um, professionally and really personally is that I had this rock bottom moment because I feel like that hustle and relentlessness, it can serve you well until it doesn't. And so because of my scarcity mindset and my lack mindset, I had figured out a way to make a lot of money, but I had never figured out a way to properly manage the money. Mm. And I started spending money faster than I could make it. And I would start to rationalize and justify these really kind of bad and unhealthy behaviors around money to the point that I started to compound a lot of debt. And I was so ashamed 
of that debt and afraid of the debt because I didn't know how to get myself out of the debt that I actually hid it from my husband. And then I get a call one day when I'm sitting at the dining room table, which is where I used to work from home from my laptop from my husband. And he was like, Hey, when were you going to tell me about the credit card? And he had found out that I had been hiding over $30,000 of credit card debt from him. I had amassed in like a matter of two and a half years. And I, I think it's important, you know, I kind of wanted to share the journey of where I came from because, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And so if that's all I ever knew when it came to money and how I used to manage money and how I used to see money, again, there's never enough of it. I'm not good with math. I was never good with numbers. I, you know, math was not my strong suit in high school. And so I would make up and tell myself, you know, all of these delusional ways of thinking, like, I don't need to worry about the money. You know, I want to make a lot of money and have fun, but I don't have to worry about the finances. I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to worry about that. You know, there's going to be some kind of like, guy that's going to come in and take care of it, or a financial advisor will come in and take care of it, or like a fairy godmother will come down from the sky and take care of it. And so I just, it's like, I, I had these answers that were completely delusional and fantasy based and just not in reality. But because I chose to believe in these delusional thoughts you know, it allowed me to create this really unhealthy pattern with money and spending. And so when I could no longer hide and I kind of had this rock bottom moment financially, and my husband was like, I don't know what's wrong, but you need to go get help. You know, my husband had worked, he's older than me. So he had worked, you know, 15 years longer than I had, because he's 15 years older than me. And he had worked really, really hard and he had a savings. And he just said, I'm now going to have to take savings out of our account, which is really our son's future. It's our Mm -hmm. college savings to make sure that now we don't have negative credit because of your spending habits. And you're going to have to figure out a way to pay our son back essentially, and to pay back, you know, the savings that I have been spending my entire life building. Um, And so it was really this, this kind of like come to Jesus moment of why am I so afraid to be honest about money? And why am I so afraid to be honest about my relationship with money? And why am I so afraid to be honest about asking for help when it comes to money? You know, it it was really all of that. And it kind of compounded into this one moment. And so that's really where I was then given a choice of how do I now want to not only live the rest of my life, but how do I really want to set up myself for professional and financial abundance and success. And so that really kicked off the start of this new chapter of my life, which then ended up being the catalyst for the business that I have today and my ability to now have a seven-figure business and you know support lots of women and write books and speak on stages and all of that. But none of that would have happened if I wasn't able to first no longer hide the fact that I had that problem and then start to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like financial stress and we interestingly talked about this on the podcast the other week, financial stress is something that is just so incredibly damaging can be for your mental health and just the anxiety, the fear, the stress of it. And, you know, it's so inspiring that you turned it into something so incredible. What was that exact time? Like, was it, you described it as a come to Jesus moment. Was it something that is that kind of like how you respond to hard times in general where it's like, okay, you know what, we're moving on. Like we have to fix it. Or was there anxiety leading up to it? So it it definitely was a rock bottom moment for me, but I, I think that something that's important to share is that 
denial can be a beast and denial can run really deep. And if you are someone, and maybe the story is not the same as me, like maybe you weren't hiding $30,000 of credit card debt from your husband, but maybe there's something else. There's some kind of limiting belief or story that has kept you caged and strapped for some of us for our entire lives. And when we are so, when we are so loyal to that origin story, like I didn't realize at the time I was so loyal to my scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. I was so loyal to it never being enough and it's never going to be enough and I'm never going to have enough that it created this self-sabotage. And so I couldn't even see a lot of it at the moment because I was just my, by default, I would rationalize and justify the unhealthy behaviors. It's, it's mm. really kind of similar to like an addict, like an, yeah. an addictive behavior that you will find ways to be loyal to that unhealthy pattern, to that addiction. And what I call it in, in my book, get what you want is to your origin story. We mm. all have an origin story for some. It may be about love relationships, food, you know, money is a big one for me. Um, my capacity for, you know, being able to achieve what I want in life, like whatever those things are, confidence. And I was so loyal to this old origin story that I couldn't even see what was happening around me. So at the time it, it was this come to Jesus and rock bottom moment because I needed that to then be able to say, okay, I have gotten myself as far as I can and I can fake it till I make it as far as I can but it's going to catch up with you eventually. And that was the moment that it caught up with me. And at that moment, I had to make a choice. Do I want to keep just being sick and tired of being sick and tired and blaming every other person, place, thing, and idea for all of my problems? Or do I want to just start saying, hey, I may not have, I may not be able to control everything that happens to me, but I can to some degree control how I react and respond to it. And so I may not be able to control the fact that I was born into this, you know, humble beginning, you know, small town, poor home that didn't have a lot of money, but I'm an adult now. And that's no longer my origin story problem. That's now my adult problem. And I need to start facing it. A hundred percent. I feel like we're so stubborn to our origin stories mm. like we like the way you said like loyal I was thinking about I think feel like that's like the one thing when people ask for advice and like you said it could be anything food confidence money love we're so stubborn to the origin stories obviously because we have the most like experience and information gathered up until this point but when you put it in perspective in the way of like you're not even seeing what's around you it almost reminds me of that kind of just typical like why worry about tomorrow or worry about yesterday when like right now is the only thing real it's like we're so stubborn to these origin stories that we're not even realizing we're in a completely different place on like literally on a different planet at this point, because it's, you know, like stuff that when we were kids and it still is our subconscious is so run by it. And so it just fascinates me the way you kind of laid it out, I think too, is like a way I haven't heard and is a very palatable and easy for me to kind of understand and digest in a sense of like, oh, wait, like I don't have to hold on to those things. Like, like you said, even if it's not money, like, even if it's not that, just those little things that I always am like my first thought, I'm like, Oh no, but like, that's who I am. Like, that's where I come from. It's like, right. no, like, but you're not there anymore. Like right. you don't have to be there. And you know, you did mention your book, which I want to talk about too, called get what you want. And one of the things I find interesting that 
you talk about a lot are those three tools to freedom, which kind of like takes us to that next step of like, okay, you had your come to Jesus moment, you hit rock bottom, and now you're helping other people. So can you describe to the audience kind of what those three tools to freedom are all about? Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't have tools when all of this was happening, which is why I was a freaking hot mess. And most of us, we're not born with tools. I mean, tools are, are, learned things that we have to then choose to put in a toolbox to be able to use. And Mm -hmm. so when this happened, my first step was that like, okay, I need, I need to get help. And I don't really know what that's going to look like. I was also raised, my origin story also told me that if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Um, Success has to be hard. You have to suffer in order to get what you want. No one can help you better than you can help yourself. Getting help is weird you know, um, all of these kinds of things, you know, it was just this very, like, we don't have time to be depressed. Like we've got to put our bootstraps on and like work because we have to do, 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 because again, survival, scarcity, survival, scarcity. And so it, I had to also get clear on the origin story of why am I so afraid to ask for help and identify that. And so going back to the origin story is key in really identifying what are the crutches that are keeping you there. And, we tend to fall victim to our origin story when we use it to define our current reality. And you're not going to really know what that current reality, you're not going to be able to be aware and to see that until you get there. The key mm. though, is to be able to use the origin story as information, but to not like stay in it. Mm. So that was the first step that I had to do was like, I need to get really clear on like, why, why am I arguing for my limitations? Like what's the payoff? And for me, the payoff was that I got to stay a victim and I got to stay in that woe is me, poor me state that Mm. the solution was always, or the problem was always out there or someone else or this person or this place. Therefore I could not take accountability for anything because if I can't change the problem, then I can't create the solution. And Mm. so the more that I chose to believe that the problem was out there, or I would even say things like, you know, well, I can't get what I want because I'm not like her, or I can't mm-hmm. get what I want because, you know, my marriage is different or this is different or easy for her to say she doesn't have kids or, you know, whatever I would make up. Totally. Yeah. And so it just, it allowed me to fall victim to that belief system. So that's really was the first step that I had to get really clear on, like, what are these actual limitations for me? Then once I got into help, and for me, that looked like therapy, it looked like a recovery program, it looked like reading a lot of books, it looked like hiring a financial consultant, it looked like going to conferences and workshop and workshops and things of that nature that really helped raise my confidence and and my ability to feel worthy of all the abundance that I wanted in the first place. That's the other thing. If you don't feel worthy of what it is that you want, then you can't get what you want. you know, masterminds. I started going, getting into masterminds once I got my finances in order and I could invest in that way. But when I was in those therapy groups and recovery circles, I learned about the three A's that you had mentioned. And to me, this is what allowed for me to start to cultivate so much freedom in my life. So I didn't invent the three A's is what they're called, but I did adapt and adopt them into my life. And now I share them with others in hopes that it helps them too. But the three A's stand for awareness, acceptance, and action. And these Mm. are really the three steps to, to freedom. They're the three steps to getting what you want. They're the three steps to really being able to start living your life to the fullest. And so the first is awareness. 
And awareness is just simply the identification that a problem or dysfunction or challenge exists in your life that needs to be changing. Um, so for anyone that's listening now, you can start thinking like, what is a problem that I'm having? What is this scary thing that I'm afraid to admit or I'm afraid to face? What is this dysfunction that exists in my life that I want to change? I first have to be aware of it. The next step is acceptance. This is the hardest one because it's often the most uncomfortable place that we have to go to because this is where we have to come to grips with the idea that this doesn't define all of me, but it is part of me and mm -hmm. it begins with me and it can also end with me if I choose to end it. It's like a piece to the puzzle in my life that no longer fits. It no longer serves me and it needs to be removed, but I have to be the one to remove it. I can't wait for that person or that place or that thing or that idea to come in and do it for me. I am responsible for this. Most people want to bypass the acceptance part and just go straight into the action, which is the third yeah. step. <laughs> but the acceptance is, there's a saying that is acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. Mm -hmm. And it, it truly is. And a lot of times we don't want to accept because then that's when we have to say like, okay, I'm raising my hand. I'm admitting my part to play in this, even if it's just a little bit. And that can be really hard for people. But yeah. if we get to that place of acceptance and acceptance is also beautiful because not only does it allow us to keep the focus on ourselves, but it also allows us to start accepting other people just mm. as they are and not anything else. So that's where like expectations can start to get really hairy because, you know, an easy example is like, I'm going to hire a coach to help me. And my expectation is that this coach is going to come in and solve all of my problems and they're going to wave their magic wand and it's going to be perfect. And then if that doesn't happen, then you're like, oh, well, it's the coach's fault. Mm -hmm. You're not in acceptance of, I have a part to play in this. That person has a part to play in this. And where are we meeting in the middle? So acceptance just allows us, it allows us to stay out of that delusion and that denial state. And it gets us back into reality. Mm -hmm. Then you can go into action and this is just, it's action, baby. Like this is, you know, what the plan that we put in place to really restore or bring forth or gain or recover all of the things that have been lost from that dysfunction in the first place. So this is where we start to build self-esteem, worthiness, self-love, confidence, balance, hope, serenity, joy, all of the things that we want in life. And then from that, you get the freedom. So a big question that I love to ask people when they're thinking about the three A's is that, would you rather live and work from an environment that is filled with overwhelm, frustration, chaos, anxiety, danger, scarcity, or one that is filled with serenity and peace and abundance and hope? And if you want the latter, then the three A's will get you there. But you have to make that choice. Quick break to talk to you guys about stamps.com. I literally was talking about this in the first quarterly episode, you guys. It is so important to save money when you can. If you've got a small business, inflation isn't doing you any favors right now. It's harder than ever to stay profitable. If you're looking for a way to cut costs, mailing and shipping is a great place to start. Simply use stamps.com to mail and ship and get access to exclusive discounts and great rates on shipping from USPS and UPS. It's an easy way to keep more money in your pocket. I do a lot of 
shipping and handling, and I'm going to start doing even more, which is scary. So I want to save money. I want to run a profitable business, you guys. Stamps.com saves you time, money, and stress. For more than 20 years, they have been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Stamps.com gives you the access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need right from your computer. And get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 30% off USPS rates and 86% off UPS. So you guys, you like literally can't beat that. Why would you go to the post office? I don't understand. No matter what business you're in, Stamps.com can help you save on shipping. Whether you're an office sending out invoices, an Etsy shop sending your products, or literally a warehouse shipping out truckloads of orders, Stamps.com is the mailing and shipping solution for you. Sell from multiple stores? No problem. Stamps.com seamlessly works with Shopify, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and more. All you need is a regular computer and printer, no special supplies or equipment. You'll be up and running in minutes printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. Start mailing and shipping with Stamps.com and keep more money in your pocket every day. Sign up with promo code MOOD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MOOD. Back to the podcast. It's so inspiring to hear you break it down in such a tangible way. And it's, it really, I think, comes back to that like victim mentality too, because it, even as like you're speaking, I, I could think, oh, but maybe it won't apply to this person, or maybe like this person won't get it or think that they can't do it. And I just, I feel like it, the victim mentality which kind of plays into like the unworthiness and self-love too, because you're not even having to look at yourself to ask yourself if you're worthy enough because you're the victim and you're already projecting outward. You're not even looking in at all. And it's just, you don't have to take any action because you're so focused on the reason why it's not going to work for you and whatever. But then I think like, but don't we all want those words you just described? Like why, who's going to say, no, I I want to feel anxious. Like, I don't want peace. Like, of course it's just, so it's just so funny as human beings, how like, you know, stubborn we are and you're right. It's like at the end of the day, when you said like, you're the only one that can accept it and do it. And my thought process when you were speaking was, and it's so cool that like literally every single person can. Like, can if we choose. And that's, yeah, I loved what you said about like, who doesn't want all of those things. Right. But saying it, but then, and then actually living it out is two different things. Because again, we, we, we get, we're so loyal to those origin Mm -hmm. stories. So I'll give you an example with a client that I I coach in my coaching program. Um, We were going through some limiting beliefs and and things like that, that she had with her origin story. And she was telling me that she is her, her entire life, as far as long as she could remember, she, she was always kind of sick. Like she would cough a lot. Like, mm-hmm. even if she didn't have a cold or anything, like she just, she coughed all the time. She would always have this like tickle in her throat and she would cough and she didn't want to cough anymore, but she couldn't stop herself. And when we started to peel back, like, again, what's the payoff of you believing your origin story, she found out that at a young age, she tied coughing to attention. And when she coughed, it got, it got her the attention that she wanted. And so that was the belief system that then went in her head. The more that I cough, the more attention that I get. And it wasn't until she unlocked that, that she was able to see like, of course I want, I want to feel healthy. Of course I don't want to cough anymore. Of course I want serenity and hope. But the payoff behind that is that I'm actually getting attention by coughing. So that's why I'm so loyal to coughing. And she like in her subconscious, it was there, but she was not even, but she didn't realize it. Right. Like she was like, I don't know why I'm coughing. Right. 
And then another wow. kind of bigger uh, example is my husband is the victim of a sexual abuse trauma that happened when he was younger. And he had actually forgotten that the sexual trauma had happened. He remembered it, which is very common with victims. And I mean, obviously my husband is a victim. He had something happen to him that he did not actively participate in or want any part of. But then he'll be the first to tell you that after that happened, the next 20 years of his life was one of dysfunction, chaos, addiction, you know, this victim mentality. And because he didn't, he could not figure out where he left off as as a victim that something actually happened to him. And then he was perpetuating the victimhood of it. And right. it wasn't until he was able to identify what is the payoff in me staying in this victim role and really self-sabotaging so many opportunities that are coming, whether that's relationships or job opportunities or what it may have been. And it's because he was so afraid to face this really horrible, awful thing that happened to him. But it wasn't until he was able to release the shame and let go of that, that this might've happened to you, but it is not, it is not you. Right. He was able to really start to unlock a lot of the self-sabotaging patterns that he had created because of that. And so that's where I say that we can be victims of something horrible that has happened to us, but that doesn't mean that we have to perpetuate the victimhood mindset and and that scarcity mindset of having to then, you know, overcompensate for our own shame or fear or our lack of, you know, with the woman that I was talking about with the coughing, she felt abandoned as a young child. She didn't feel love. She didn't feel seen. She didn't feel heard. So coughing gave her all of those things, at least momentarily. Absolutely. And that's why I love too the word freedom too, because it is so freeing as like terrifying as it can be to start, you know, I mean, obviously for me, I started therapy years ago, but like having to talk about certain things for the first time was always like so terrifying, but the payoff, like you said, it's really, it's free. Like freedom is the perfect word to describe it. And I even, I, I almost like do this little thing in my head too, when like in relationships, I realized from like a toxic relationship the like way I would kind of be passive aggressive or like react, it wasn't my personality, but I, then my next relationship, I realized I would ask myself, what am I trying to gain by act? Like, what, what do I want his response to be? Right. And it was literally, I just like wanted like love and attention. Right. And so then I'd ask myself, like, why am I going about it this way? Like I knew, then I figured out, obviously it was from the other relationship, Mm -hmm. but it's so funny now too, that like, I literally thought of it the other day. I was like, am I really mad right now? Or do I just like want to like, want like reassurance or something? Like, is there a better way to go about it? Um, I haven't figured that out in any other part of my life besides like that, like literally one little example, but yeah. um, And that's what you just brought up is great. There's, um, there's a chapter in the book that I have about boundaries because mm -hmm. I, I was very codependent for a very long time in my life. And I had very similar situations and relationships that, you know, I, I didn't understand why I would act the way that I did or react the way that I do. And it's because I never really knew where I left off and other people began. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, I needed to jump in and like fix everything and solve all the problems <laughs> and like save their life and be the hero in their story. And, <laughs> and um, there's a great acronym that I learned a few years back that really helps with that. And it stands, it's, it's said, it's spelled out as wait, W-A-I-T, but it stands for why am I talking? And mm-hmm. when we can ask ourselves, which means like, wait, 
don't talk. Why am I talking? Again, it goes back to that, like, what's the payoff? And for me, when I was in that codependent pattern, it was like, am I trying to control? Am I trying to like manipulate so I can get what I want? Am I trying to, you know, solve a problem that's not mine because that makes me feel good about myself and it makes me feel powerful? Am I trying to fix somebody so that, you know, they love me more, they see me more, but just really, I think that whole idea is like, what is the payoff in anything that we do or say, or or how we're behaving is it can be such a huge awareness tool for us to use. It's so funny. My, my like new year's resolution, not like resolution. I used to always like pick a word one year was pause, which was like basically like a wait, because I'd always like, I basically without the acronym would just be like, okay, like, wait, do I really want to say something that I don't mean just for whatever, like, as I was figuring it out and naturally the word pause came to me. And I remember telling my therapist a couple weeks ago, I was like, I think I might be codependent. I'm not sure. She's like, yeah, you are. We've just never used that word for it. Like we refer, she was like, yeah, your dad left when you were two, like, obviously you're codependent. And I was like, oh, I just didn't realize we weren't using the word. And so it's like, what I'm like, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, oh, okay. Like this all makes so much more sense now. And obviously, unfortunately, when you were saying like, am I trying to manipulate or control something? And it's so interesting that now the reason I'm able to not do that as much in relationships, like obviously there's like those little moments of like, I want to, or I feel it is I've been through the bad relationships and gotten to better things. So I realize if like I do just wait, I everything either works out the way, like it works out the way it's supposed to, whether I like it in the moment or not. Right. And I actually don't have to control anything because I was trying so hard for so long to control this relationship and I'd be miserable right now if I was still in it. Right. And so I'm like, I well, I guess I might as well wait. Like, But in the meantime, I obviously have to focus on you know, like my self-worth and my self-love and my career and figuring out what I want and, you know, getting what I want, which is obviously your book. And I think many women honestly struggle with just like accepting themselves and figuring out it's always that word of like or sentence of what am I supposed to be doing? Like what, what's the next decision I should make? Mm -hmm. Like, should I stay at my job? Should I not stay at my job? Like, I want to network, but I don't want to put myself out there. I want to date, but I don't want to put myself out there. And it's like this, like we're always going back and forth. So I kind of want to get more into like the also kind of career side of everything that you do as well. Yeah. Your brain about that. Yeah. So I know a lot of times women will come to me and it's one of two things. They'll either say, um, I can't get what I want because I don't know what I want. Mm. Or it's, I can't get what I want because getting what I want is impossible. So the first one with, you know, I can't get what I want because I don't know what I want. My response to someone is always like, well, of course, you know what you want because you know what you don't want. Mm. And, yeah. and identifying what you don't want is what identifies to you what it is that you do want. And then that other question of I can't get what I want because it's impossible. Well, it's like, if you know what you want, let that be enough. I think so many times we will ask the questions but then we don't, we get so bottled up in the question that we can't just give it a rest and just trusting that like, why aren't we see, why aren't we receiving the answers that we want? Why can't we like figure this out? Why can't, and it's like, because you're so, it's like, you're strangling the question yeah. to death. It doesn't even have time to like give you the answer. And so I think that this is where we really have to let go of the rope a little bit and trust that there's nothing else that we need to do except just let the question be enough. And it's kind of this idea of, you know, how can we put some distance between asking what it is that we want 
and receiving the answer. You know, I, I think that a lot of times we feel like we're, we're, we're so powerful and we know it all that not only can I ask the question, but I can also give myself the answer. Yeah. It's like, well, if you had the answer, then you wouldn't have the question. Yes, like, if you're asking a question, then obviously you don't have the answer to the question or you wouldn't be asking the question. But we totally assume that we have the answer, which right. is just like the most insane it's part. Insanity. But yes, It's like, that's yeah. the definition. Like that is purely insane. So we have to learn how to put distance between what it is that we're asking, what it is that we're wanting, what it is that we're desiring and the answer and that answer being received to us. And the way that we can put distance is rest, which a lot of people don't like to do, sleep, changing the subject, just simply like you have a question, okay, now go start working on something else or focusing on mm-hmm. something else, getting outside, going for a walk, meditation, if you can do that, dancing, making a list of things that you're grateful for, or even just a list of positive things that are happening in your life. Um, You know, a lot of those things will allow you to put the distance between asking for what it is that you want and then like you jumping in to try to give yourself an answer to something that you don't have yet because you haven't allowed yourself enough time and space for those answers to kind of be revealed to you. And so that's really what, where I think, you know, that's like where the, where the, where the good stuff, the juice is. But when you're so focused on where is this thing that I want your, your energy and clarity and confidence, none of that, it doesn't allow for you to start receiving and perceiving the answers and the answer can come in so many ways. I mean, how many times have any of us just been walking down the street and then we have like the aha moment or we're reading a book or we're listening to a podcast and it comes to us. Where if we're so busy asking the question and then trying to answer the question for ourselves, we miss those moments. And so we have to move, I think, to the attention of that feeling of this is where I'm going and feeling the expansion of where I want to go and feeling the possibility of where I want to be. And we have to take the attention off the question and the attention off the now because we don't want to be in the now. We want to move forward. And of course, we don't want that past focus garbage. We've already talked all about that with the ordinary. We can kind of leave that where it is. But to me, I think that that is, it's really trusting and relaxing and knowing that the answer will come. You just have to kind of get out of the way a little bit for it to come. I feel like whenever I think to myself, I need to figure out my next step. I need to figure out my next chapter. Just like I'm in transition phase. Should I start doing this or that? I've never kind of associated it with taking rest or meditating. So I always kind of put the two buckets separate, right? Like the, here's the self-care things here. Like my body needs rest, my mind needs rest, all that stuff. But then on the career side, I really need to figure it out and I need to get my life together so that I can pay my bills and all that stuff. So I kind of like how you almost showed how they really kind of go hand in hand. And it's true. I mean, most of the stuff I've figured out in my own personal life, it's, business and personal is stuff just like through living it and experience and getting new information and realizing things. And so I love that you kind of put those together because I think the expectation, especially on social media and stuff is kind of hustle culture. It can be very like, figure out what you want to do, make a plan, start sending out the emails, which like, I'm sure is, you know, are great things to do. I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's not what my podcast is. I talk about self-care, right. but I do like, I do like being able to kind of take a step back and you, um, you do say this one quote that I love about how it's for people that are being tired of being told, just be yourself. Yeah. And it's so funny because I feel like it, obviously in my line of work, that's 
mostly what people tell me. So it's like, I have these like existential crises where I'm like, what are you doing? And then obviously everyone's go-to advice is, well, like just keep being yourself. Right. And so I'm like, well, here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> you can't be yourself if you don't know yourself. And that's a lot. A lot of people don't know themselves. They don't take the time to really know themselves and, and really take stock of those like gross parts of us that we don't want to face. Mm-hmm. And so it's always like, what is the most shameful, horrible thing that you would never want anyone to know? Like go there and let that reveal things to you about yourself. The other thing, if it was just as simple as just be yourself, then everyone would have what they wanted. Your podcast wouldn't exist. My podcast wouldn't exist. Like it would be fine. And I just remember when I was going through my own discovery of who am I and what do I want to do in this world and what's my purpose? Like I, I can't tell you how many conferences I would go to and you would have like the most, you know, anyone from like a Kim Kardashian on stage, literally Kim Kardashian on stage said this to somebody else. And it's like, what's your secret to success? And they would believe, they would just say like, just be yourself. And I'm like, if someone else tells me to just be myself, I'm going to bash my head in the wall. Like it's, <laughs> what does that mean? And so I think right. that it's getting clear first on what does it mean to just be yourself? Do you know what being yourself means? And then how are you activating that and bringing it to life? And so I think that one thing with that idea again of like, you could even ask your question, like, what do I want? Or what is myself? And like, allow, allow time mm. to receive that answer. Creativity, creation, it's, it always comes together when two opposing things come together. I mean, even think like how a baby is born, you have an egg, you have a sperm, they come together, it creates human life. So a lot of times when you think about hustle, well, what's the opposing force of hustle? Well, that's rest. So it's kind of like, well, rest can meet the hustle and like see what unlocks from there, see what cracks open from there. When feeling like you don't know who you are and you haven't been authentic to yourself, like meets this, well, what lights me up and what brings me joy? But that asking yourself that question is a surefire way to getting you to figure out who you are. What truly lights me up without fear of anything? What lights me up? What brings me joy? That can get you there. And then also knowing that we can give ourselves a little bit of grace. I think a lot of times some of our biggest strengths can also be our strongest defects. So like Mm -hmm. hustling, you can hustle your way to six figures. I I did it. I see people do it every day. You cannot hustle your way to seven. Mm -hmm. You will burn out. Period. End of story. I've never seen, I've seen a lot of people hustle their way to six figures. I've never seen anyone successfully hustle their way to seven figures. They always burn out. And it specifically happens around that 1.2 to 1.4 gross revenue. Like I can see it like down to the number in their bank account when they're going to hit that moment of exhaustion. So you have to kind of honor the hustle. It's like, it's gotten me this far, but if I'm ready to take it to this level, Mm. what needs to come in? And I think that that's where the whole being yourself can start to be unlocked but you can't be yourself until you know yourself and you can't know yourself until you're ready to face some really hard truths about yourself. And then that comes back to everything that we've been talking about, you know, today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely feel a little bit like exposed in my mind. I'm like, well, I have been hustling for a decade, so this all adds up, but, but it's fine. This is, this is why I have people on the podcast. I I like almost every single interview. I'm like, this is literally another selfish episode where I bring on someone who's actually helping me and you guys all get to listen. Like, oh, and you know what? The other thing too, that I kind of wanted to touch on with limited beliefs too is I, you know, I have very strong like opinions about like what ifs in 
a negative way. Yeah. But I love that your, your spin, cause I always say too, like, what if we reframe about, okay, you know, obviously when you're having anxiety, what if is, what if this, this, that, and then I die. And, you know, you're very passionate too about like reframing them bigger and better for a woman. And then also just touching on a little bit about the BYOP, BYOP, be your own publicist. Yeah. Because this like is also really hard for me too, but I feel like people need to hear the what ifs and the like networking being their own publicist, because it's, it's one of my most common things of whether it's making friends, getting a job. And then it's like, oh, I can't stop saying what ifs when I'm having anxiety because like, what if everything does go to shit? So I know that's not linear and kind of two separate thingamabobbers, but before I like let you go, I want to kind of give that extra push for anyone that's actually feeling like, okay, I kind of do know who I am and I kind of do know what I, what I want, but, and I'm ready to take the next step, but what if, and how do I get myself out there? You know? Right. I mean, I think that, you know, from all of the women that I've coached, you know, that's been this idea of what if has been a big thing that's come up because I'll think about, I'll see just, you know, in the six months or year or whatever that I'm working with someone, just the, the vast improvements, not only in, their self-love, worthiness, confidence, but then how that replicates into business growth, client growth, brand growth, et cetera. And I always wonder, I'm like, what would have happened if I would have been able to work with them sooner? Or if they would have been able to unlock this possibility sooner? Like what if we could give, you know, women when they were younger, these bigger what ifs, these more expansive what ifs that would really kind of blow our own dang minds. And I feel like with men, for some reason, it's easier for them to do it. Just from my experience in life, you know, I I have a lot of men in my life that, you know, they either have a very scarcity mindset and it is what it is, or they're limitless. Like it's just Mm -hmm. massive abundance. With, with a lot of women, it's like, we see it, but we're kind of like the window shoppers. Like we don't think that we can actually go in and like have it for ourselves. We just kind of like wave at it from the window and admire it from afar. But I think about that idea of, of what if we gave ourselves these bigger what ifs, because the way that we're thinking and acting now is not going to get us to where we want to go. It's going to keep us where we are because think the way that we're thinking and acting now is is what we're receiving now it's what we're getting right now so if we want something more if we want to be at a different place if we want to have a different experience we have to start thinking bigger and we have to start being more future focused and so what i love to say is how how can you give yourself a bigger what if there's this idea i think that people feel like they have to get what they want first in order to be who they want to become Totally. So it's like, well, you know, once I have the job, once I get, you know, the perfect marriage, once I have the house, once I have the car, once I have the million dollars in the bank account, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be yeah. successful. Then I can take that dream vacation. Then I can da 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 da. But you actually have to flip it. It's like, no, once you start becoming who you need to be, then you'll get all of that. You don't get a million dollars by staying who you are today. You get a million dollars by becoming the person who gets a million dollars. What do they Mm. think? Who do they surround themselves with? How do they spend their day? What does their morning routine look like? And really start embodying. And this is where this idea of act as if it's not fake it till you make it, but it's acting as if you have already become the person that you want to be and really embodying that you don't wait for her. You don't, you know, sit on the sidelines. You don't, you create her, 
Like you Mm -hmm. literally create her. And so you have to start creating that today. You have to start becoming and creating the woman that you want to be tomorrow to get those results tomorrow. And that's really how I psychologically got my way to my first million. I saw a woman do it. So I knew that it was possible, a woman that I admired. And instead of copying what she did, I started to try to copy the way that she thought. So, you know, what was her thought process? What was her mindset? Who did she surround herself with? What kind of help was she getting? Far more than strategy, I needed to copy the way that she thought. And it was acting as if I was the person who already had a million dollars in my bank account. And, you know, what were they working on? You know, all of those questions that I listed. And even if I didn't have the answers, I would just make it up. I would be like, okay, well, I don't really know what someone with a million dollars does in the morning. But if I did, I would assume that they probably got up fairly early. They probably took some time for themselves. You know, they probably had some kind of physical activity to get the oxygen flowing. They probably had a journaling or meditative practice because I do know that those are very healthy habits and, and secrets to becoming successful. That's, it's, it's not even a secret. Everyone has heard those things. Yeah. <laughs> Meditation, drinking water, working out, like it's not rocket science. So totally. if I were to assume, then that's what I'm going to assume. And so I started acting as if I was like, well, you know, what, what do I need to work on? Who do I need to show up and serve? What is my purpose? What do I focus on? What's the bigger vision? And it wasn't until I kind of laid out that blueprint that I was able to start having these bigger what ifs and start bringing them to life. And then from that, and this kind of ties into the be your own publicist piece, you know, a part of acting as if is really Mm. allowing yourself to crack open and shine, whether you feel like you're worthy of it or not, whether you are afraid that shining is going to somehow dim your light more or make people think something about you. The biggest thing that I say to my community and my clients is that you cannot hide yourself and expect to be seen. And that is the biggest thing that I see so many women, especially in the online space doing. I don't know why I can't get more followers. I don't know why I can't do this. I keep creating and creating and creating. And I'm like, yeah, but you're still hiding. Like just because you're doing doesn't mean that you're really showing up. It doesn't mean that you're really allowing yourself to be seen. It doesn't mean that you're really sharing your heart. It doesn't mean that you even feel worthy of everything that you're creating. You're Mm. just, you're just keeping busy. So you don't have to deal with the hardcore stuff. Mm. So busyness aside, how can you actually start being seen in the world? How can you really show up in a way that lights you up? And not, and that, even though we hear the metaphor of like what lights you up, it's literally shining. Like it lights you up. People can see you from a mile away because you are just enamored with light and brightness exuding from your soul. And so that's what I say to people, like, what do you really need to crack open and how can you really allow yourself to be seen? And one of the ways to do this more tangibly is by being your own publicist. Because if you can't toot your own horn, how can you expect somebody else to toot it? If you Mm. don't even feel worthy enough of sharing your own gifts with the world, how do you expect to either hire someone or pay someone else to do it for you? It, It has to begin with you. And so by being your own publicist, this is where you can start creating content that that really matters to your purpose and who it is that you're trying to serve. You can pitch yourself to go on podcasts. You can pitch yourself to collaborate with brands. You can pitch yourself to contribute your voice and your message and your thoughts and your ideas to various media outlets. Of course, there's millions of different ways to do it. And you can always find a strategy and a teacher out there who's willing to help you. 
But the, the, the key point of it is that you have to start believing that you're worthy enough of it first. And I think the, the fastest way to do that is by you showing up, allowing yourself to shine and essentially being your own publicist. I'm curious too, if when you say, especially like when people are hiding with content creation specifically, do you mean that in a way too of like, cause I relate to like the busy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Of, oh, well, I should be making more of this. I should be posting more of this. But like, if I don't like it and like, I don't feel good about it, I'm not going to post it just cause also like I've been doing it for so long, but I, I do have a lot of people that are trying to break into it and post more, maybe change their demographic or get more views on reels. And they're like, why isn't this doing well? And for me, I'm always just like, stay consistent, but is for you, are you able to kind of see that someone's hiding just because like you know them in real life and maybe they're not really showing like who they really are because I I assume it's different for everyone right in a sense of it's not just consistency it's about like really being authentic not to make it about the quote like quote just be yourself but you know what I mean how do you kind of identify that with creators yeah you know I think that for me and I can just use my own story when I was starting out in content creation I started out you know my side hustle was a blog and I started doing fashion lifestyle mommy blogging, which was so not me, but Mm -hmm. I was, I was, you know, I was a publicist and marketer by trade. That's what I went to college for. And I immediately started in corporate America and agency America being a publicist, but I didn't think that that was fun or sexy or vibrant enough for Instagram. And so I kept trying to shy away from it. And I was like, no, I want to be, I lived in LA at the time. And I was like, you know, anyone that's halfway cool is a content creator out here. So that's what I need to be. And that's, and it has to look this way and I have to post this many times a day. And it was so stringent. And so forced, there was no ease to it. There was no flow. It was just so like, it has to be this way. And this is the only way that it can be. And I need all the answers and all the strategies and all the stats and tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I think to some degree, I mean, it's, it's great to be organized. It's great to have a plan. <laughs> I believe in that. And a step-by-step is great. If you can emulate someone else's formula and recipe that works, do it all day long. But again, it's not about copying what someone else does. It's about copying Mm -hmm. their mindset and the way that they think. And what I was doing is I was just trying to copy all the girls that I was looking at that I wanted to be, like, I wanted to be part of the cool kids club. I wanted to be seen in that way. I wanted to feel special and respected and valued, but it wasn't working. And the reason, and my husband would say to me, he's like, just be Julie publicist. Like if you could just figure out how to take Julie, the publicist and bring her onto social media, you would find your king, your keys to the kingdom. And I would be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like no (laughs) one cares about PR. That's not fun. Like I need to be an LA lifestyle content creator. And I was working 60 hours a week doing all the affiliate reward style, like to know it stuff, making like maybe $40 a week. (laughs) Like it was not working. And it wasn't until I did come to terms to say, what is truly my value? I have a lot of friends that their value and their gift truly is lifestyle content and they kill it. They are the beauty content creators, the fashion content creators. They are the ones sitting front row at fashion week. They are the one coming out with their own beauty lines and doing all of that. But that wasn't me. And I was trying to force myself into this box that didn't fit. And after 18 months of doing that, I finally was like, okay, I'll just put out like, a marketing blog post and see what happens. And I think it was like the top five PR tips that every blogger needs to know. And that one post had more traffic to it than my entire lifestyle, 
all the posts that I've done from the last 18 months combined. Wow. And so that's what I mean. And maybe that story kind of lends to an answer to what you're saying. Totally. But for me and from my own experience, that was what just being myself was. And it was me getting clear on like, well, who am I really? And, and, and am I okay with that being enough? And so I was able to then figure out, well, clearly I'm onto something here. Clearly this is content that people would want. And I really had to start just being okay with where I am at today is enough. It's more than enough. And I'm going to work with what I have today and let that take me to the next step. And I'm not going to be so consumed and bogged down with having to have every answer and every strategy and every time. And when's the best time to post? And what's my engagement rate? And the algorithm, the algorithm, the algorithm. It's like, none of that matters. Like it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And I know that people are probably mad at me for saying it because they're like, yes, it does, Julie. But I'm telling you, once you tap into what people really found valuable from you. And when you start to really impact lives in a way that blows your own dang mind, you're not going to care about a follower number. You're not going to care about the algorithm. And does the, like, is it annoying? Yes. Is it annoying that I create content and like freaking 200 people see it? Yes. That's annoying. Or 50 people see it. That's annoying. But I can't change that anyways. So I'm just going to focus on what I can control and change, which is who is seeing my content? How can I make sure that that content is the most valuable for them? And then what am I doing when I get off social media? How am I extending that conversation past the post or past the reel or past the DM? And that, again, that comes to value is not just a reel. Value is how, how is someone taking that reel and actually implementing it into their lives, their business, their relationships, whatever it may be. And so that's my very long-winded way of answering your question about, about that. No, I mean, it is literally so incredibly helpful. I think for just obviously any career and life transition period, wherever you are, but obviously, you know, it's not every day you hear someone so eloquently and just perfectly, quite frankly, describe when someone wants to get into content creating. And I think it is, people don't think about it that way. They just think this is pretty, I could do this, I'm gonna do it like them. And I love that you kind of offer the other side too of why don't you at least look and copy the way that they're thinking, not the exact way that they're posting. Because I think that's also something that kind of sits even more with me too. Because I'm like, okay, well that's at least, I can get something from the other person that I admire, right? Like I don't have to just quote unquote be myself. I can look at them like a little bit, but I can't, what, what's working for them is not going to work for me. And, you know, when regards to the algorithm, I, I always crack up. I'm like, do you think that like Charlie D'Amelio was like looking at the algorithm right. when she started making TikTok? Like, no, it's like these people get successful or get followers because they're just literally doing whatever they want because they like doing it. And then the rest of people kind of like try to emulate that. So I think this is like perfect advice for like, if you are interested and have like any inkling, if you can answer these questions, like honestly, and want to execute on them, then like content is the place for you. And if you're not interested in content, like there's more than enough to get from this and literally picking your brain was, I could listen to you talk all day long. Like, and I am not going to pick your brain anymore because I know that you have your book out 
And I want people to be able to go read it and learn more and listen to your podcast instead of sitting here for another five hours. So please tell everyone where they can get more of you. Oh, thank you, Lauren. It's been such a joy to be on here with you today. And yes, get what you want, how to go from unseen to unstoppable releases June 7th. So by the time you listen to this, it will be out in the world. You can get the book or the audible. Um, There's an incredible audible that I recorded wherever you love to buy books or wherever you love to buy your audio books. Um, You can also go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want if you want to order any of the books through there. And if you do it through there, send us a copy of your receipt. You're going to get access to um, a live virtual workshop that I'm doing later this summer where we dive into a lot of the principles that we talked about today. So you'll get a free ticket, virtual ticket to that event. And then the Influencer Podcast, I am there every Wednesday. Um, we had our five-year anniversary this year, which is insane to oh my think that it's been half a decade since I started that podcast. And I have been showing up every Wednesday for the last five years and we'll keep doing so, but love that community over there and love to pour into, um, to everyone there. And then of course I tend to be the most active on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram at Jules, J-U-L-S, Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N, and then the Influencer Podcast, wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mood. I'm Lauren Elizabeth. Everything you need to know is linked in the show notes. And while you're there, you can also give this podcast five stars. Get back to me on Instagram at Lauren Elizabeth at Mood with Lauren Elizabeth to boost your mood all throughout the week. YouTube.com slash love Lauren Elizabeth. If you want to see this gorgeous face, see the voice that goes along with it. And I'm going to shut up because I need to. It is my God-given talent to know when to shut the fuck up. Thank you guys. Bye.